Hello, welcome to A Weekly Word. I'm Pastor Eric Tritton from Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Hudson, Ohio. And across the, uh, the summer, we are taking a look at the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And we come to a part of the story today where Edmund, well, Edmund betrays his siblings. You might recall that uh, Edmund and the other three children have gone to the beaver's house and the beavers have served them dinner and conversation has started talking about this really important character, this great lion named Aslan. And Edmund, because he's aligned himself with the white witch, is aligned against Aslan. And he slips out after dinner to go find the white witch's castle. And it, it's really a story of sadness and misery uh, in the, this part of the book. Uh, Edmund slips out, he doesn't have his coat. It's winter, it's cold. Um, and the whole time as he's, he's walking around, he's shivering, he's suffering, he, he, all he can think about is, is, is wickedness. All he can think about is how he is, is going to pay Peter out, how he's going to get his vengeance. And that runs so contrary to the way the scriptures teach us to respond when people wrong us. Um, we're taught in Matthew uh, 18 that we should confront those who sin against us in, in order to have reconciliation and, and to be able to give forgiveness. And Romans 12 and Proverbs 24 both talk about vengeance belonging to the Lord and not being something for us to pursue uh, as we deal with other people. But Edmund's heart is very twisted at this point. And, and this is all he can think about as he's suffering, that even though he's the one that chose to go out into the cold on his own, it's still somehow Peter's fault. And so many people in the world, they get wrapped up in this type of thinking. And Edmund finally does make it to the castle. And when he finds the witch's castle, he sees that it's full, full of statues. Now, these statues are actually people that uh, the witch has turned into stone. Now, C.S. Lewis was great at drawing on a variety of different mythologies to populate Narnia. So when Edmund comes there, he finds all kinds of different statues. He finds some of the talking animals. He finds dwarfs. He finds centaurs, giants, and more. Uh, and all of these represent different citizens of Narnia who stood against the, uh, the witch. And there's actually even a lion that is in the midst of all of these, uh, all of these statues. And Edmund takes a moment to think that this lion that has been turned into stone is probably Aslan. And he takes a little bit of time to, to mock him. And this is something that's really common, unfortunately, when our wicked hearts, when sinful hearts come into contact with the holy, there is a desire to mock and to make fun of uh, God's truth. 
Psalm 1 uh, even mentions this. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, there's something about this world that, that causes us to, to mock God. And that's exactly what Edmund is drawn to. He, so he, he can't actually mock Aslan himself, and so he mocks the lion who represents Aslan. He's, he's being drawn further and further into the witch's temptations. Um, and there are a lot of people in this world who scoff at the idea that there even is God. Um, more and more people on surveys, at least here in the United States, are saying that they don't believe in any kind of a God. But in Psalm 14, and there are also places in Proverbs that, that say that the fool is the one that says in his heart that there is no God. Uh, and when we mock these things, when people mock God, when people mock his people, um, it's really just a rejection of, of, of God and his good gifts. Now, when Edmund gets there, he expects to be welcomed uh, in a princely fashion. But instead, he's met with cruelty. And it's only now that he begins to be sorry for what he has done, to wonder if the path that he's chosen uh, is actually harmful to him as well as to others. And this is one of the realities of life that often people have to uh, experience the consequences of their choices before they're ready to repent, before they're ready to change the way that they think and they act. But even now in the story, uh, there's no thought of forgiveness as far as Edmund is concerned. He's just kind of regretting the choices that he's made. And this also illustrates something that's really important when we talk about worshiping false gods or idolatry, and it's that idols always destroy their worshipers. Edmund's hope in the white witch is really his undoing. As he's placing his hope in, in the, the queen, the white witch, it's tearing him apart and it's killing him. And this is exactly what sin does and, and it's exactly what a heart that is aligned to a false god does in a person. It just tears them apart. Instead of welcoming Edmund as a prince, the queen takes him as a slave. Uh, and this reminds us of what Jesus says in John chapter 8, when he says the, the one who sins is a slave to sin. He begins to see the queen's cruelty. He's not given a coat or a blanket. He's given bread and water, but he's not given the Turkish delight or the hot cocoa that he was expecting that, that he had been promised. And the witch, is, the witch is bent on destroying her enemies, and that becomes more and more clear to Edmund. Um, and in this way, she really matches the devil. Uh, in John 10.10, Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what, what Jodis, the, uh, the white witch, wants to do. She wants to destroy her enemies. And 
she even sends one of her wolves to kill the beavers and to kill Edmund's siblings uh, if they can catch them in the house. In the Bible, the key relationship between God and his people is that he sets his people free from slavery. In the Old Testament, he saved his people from slavery in Egypt. Uh, he now also continues to save us, except instead of saving us from a slavery to like an earthly uh, uh, despot, uh, he saves us from slavery to our sin. And so Jesus is the one who sets us free from sin. And so Edmund is going to need the Christ figure of Narnia to save him. Everyone who sins is a, safe, is a slave to sin. Jesus makes that clear. But he also says that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And, and that's where the story is heading, is that Aslan, as the Christ figure, as the son of the great emperor beyond the sea, is going to do what's necessary to set Edmund free. However, uh, the cost is going to be different than what the children expect, and it's going to be strange uh, in the eyes of the people who, who see what happens. Edmund uh, is beginning to see that the White Witch uh, is not all that she was cracked up to be. He, he begins to see her differently as she reveals this cold cruelty of evil. Uh, there are several things that she does as she seeks to remove her, her rivals. She punishes people who, who celebrate the breaking of her spell by turning them into stone that spell that keeps Narnia in winter and never Christmas. And he, he really experiences her complete disregard for basic human kindness. So as Edmund is working his way through the story, as, as we're looking at how God brings salvation to us, as we're looking at, at Aslan and Edmund, there's no longer a question in Edmund as to which side is the right one in this conflict in Narnia. So thanks for being with me. Um, we're going to pick up on that uh, in our next uh, episode here, and we're going to start to see more of what Aslan is going to do in order to, to save his people, and the spell is about to begin to break. Uh, if this has been a helpful blessing to you, please like it, share it. Um, always thankful for, for the opportunity to get this in front of more people. Um, thanks again. God's blessings. Mm -hmm.